Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 82, for Friday, January 26th, 2018. You are listening to the ultimate, ultimate underground hipster news podcast. So, so underground that top hipsters in Portland don't even know about this podcast um better news week than the last couple ones I got too many articles set aside to cover of which include see Trump lawyer used private company pseudonyms to pay porn star Stormy Daniels um this is that's more ooh I don't know. It's it's. I think they might have some document from the lawyer or something like that suggesting a payment, but because <clears throat> they say according to company records, but but the other sources are sources familiar with the matter. So it's one of those. If it's anything else, <clears throat> like what's coming out of the mainstream press these days, is to be taken with the tiniest of grains of salt. Uh, we had a women's march. I think I'm gonna get into that a little bit because there's always interesting things going on with things like that. And uh, the, the secret memo that's in the news again and has been a uh, megastar from North Korea visits South Korea. One that was thought was that was thought was dead from fake news from the the past. Billionaire couple murdered in their own home, I believe. We'll get into that probably. World finance now more dangerous than 2008. Warns a central bank guru. And uh, see, Scientific American reporting that cleaning up air pollution may strengthen global warming. A Tesla autopilot slams into a fire truck. Wow, I got I got way too many things to go over. <clears throat> Talk of a secret society in the FBI, you know the the ones that were behind these uh, suddenly missing text messages from the FBI around the time that they were apparently secret society in <laughs> about trying to basically again I'm trying to read and talk at the same time um, throw the election for Hillary so More not-so-surprising but depressing news there. Uh, that song you just heard was Professor Umlaut by Kevin McLeod, and you can check out his royalty-free music at incompetech.com. Oh, and I forgot to mention, royalty-free music and graph paper. More in- More articles about the texts. Trouble in Paradise at Washington Post. Staffers fighting for better wages. And a 
allegedly told to sit down, shut up, and be grateful for Jeff Bezos, the owner of Washington Post, Amazon, and a 500-some million dollar contract with the CIA, uh, a data storage contract. A scientific study that, let's see, there's a scientific study released, there was a scientific, let's see, there's a scientific study released suggesting big cats are in an evolutionary arms race with prey. A uh, golden toilet offered to the White House and uh, CNN promoting cuckolding. What to start with? Well, no, I, I totally missed one, and this one I'm, I missed here. I'm gonna, I'll start with, which I think is pretty big news, big-ish news, I guess. But I haven't really seen headlined in a, at a lot of places, and I saw it on YouTube. I'm going to open up this YouTube video here. This is from Fox News. Published on the 17th. So it's actually a story from last week that I totally missed. But like I said, it wasn't really headlined a lot anywhere. And this is former Democrat congressman Dennis Kucinich. Who's a pretty big name with your lefter-leaning liberals or non-establishment Democrats, liberals, progressives, and so on. Probably seen as one of the more so, I don't know, uh, rebels. My opinion, I, while I don't agree with a lot of his policies, I think they're on their face unconstitutional. Um, I think he's uh, honest. At least, more so than a Bernie Sanders. And I think Bernie Sanders kind of overshadowed him in the last couple years as the uh, outsider lefty. But here is Dennis Kucinich on Fox News, Fox and Friends to be specific. This is a Fox News alert. Let's talk politics. Let's go out to Cleveland, Ohio right now, joined by former U.S. Congressman and former two-time U.S. presidential candidate, Dennis Kucinich. Dennis, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Great to what, be with you. It's good to have you as well. The banner underneath of us right now says, big political announcement on Fox and Friends. What is it? Well, uh, today I'm having a formal announcement of candidacy. I'm running for governor of Ohio, the Democratic nomination. I'm really charged this morning, and I'm very excited to take this big step forward on behalf of the people of Ohio. Okay, so you're officially announcing later today you are a Democrat, right. you're a liberal Democrat. Right. You know, during 2016, Dennis, I don't have to remind you, uh, Donald Trump won the state of Ohio with a 71, 72% turnout. It would appear that the Donald Trump message resonated a year ago, why do you think the people of Ohio will think that your message, which is more to the left than President Trump's, is, uh, is their ticket going forward? Well, I think that I represent the mainstream and aspirations for jobs and health care and uh, education 
and for a better environment and all kinds of economic progress in the state. But the one thing I can do, Steve, that I don't know there's another Democrat in Ohio who could run for office and do, is that I can reach out to the uh, people who voted for President Trump. I can show them that, that there are Democrats who stand solidly for economic progress, who want to protect our markets, who, who, who want to stand up for, for everyday Americans. So, you know, to me, that's my constituency, too, and I'm reaching out, and I'm not going to leave anyone uh, out of the picture. Well, when we were in... All right, I'm going to stop it there, and I'm going to go get some coffee. But you get the idea. Uh, Dennis Kucinich is running for the governor of Ohio. And I think he makes some pretty good points. He is probably would be, I would consider him more of like a working class Democrat kind of person. And uh, I think a pe people do appreciate him for his honesty. So as far as lefties go, um, he's probably more one of my favorites, even though I, I you know, I can't. It's been a while since I, I've heard a lot of his positions, but I've heard his positions on gun rights and, uh, you know, economic freedoms and things of that nature. And I was not very impressed with uh, some of his opinions there, but he he did make a, uh, he did mention, you know, economic growth in his spiel. He gave the Fox. So... I could have him wrong. Perhaps he's a little bit better on free enterprise. Uh, per perhaps he's he's worse than I thought on free free enterprise. But either way, uh, it should be interesting. And I saw something else going around in the news today, which I'm going to do a quick search for. Was rumors of perhaps a John Kerry presidential run in 2020. Uh, however, I even if I saw that in the news, I probably wouldn't take it with. Too much stock. Uh, given how the whole Oprah thing was handled, I don't I don't know why everybody was thinking that Oprah was going to run. Uh, and I think she even made a statement that she has no plans to run. So just doing a quick search for John Kerry, and it's just, it looks like more speculative stuff. You know, headlines such as former Secretary of State John Kerry considering a presidential run with an exclamation mark or with a question mark rather um, by WCVB Boston. Boston. Um, and it is it's not really news. When the headline's a question, <laughs> it's usually not news. Uh, but let me, let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find any information. Valuable tidbits of information here. It begins with former Secretary of State John Kerry is raising the idea of another run for president. Kerry made statements to Palestinian officials saying he's strongly considering taking on President Donald Trump in 2020, according to an Israeli newspaper. No link. Maybe The Hill has a link or more info of where he said this. I'm going to go to this Israeli site, jpost.com, the Jerusalem Post. Here's an interesting bit from this article. Kerry hinted that many in the American establishment, as well as American intelligence, are dissatisfied with Trump's performance and by the way he leads their country. 
Oh, you think? I think they were dissatisfied with Trump before he even got in. I don't think it has anything to do with his performance. It has more to do with his embedment with the powers that be. Probably a lot less to do with his presentation or his actual policies. So I don't see a lot of details here. Just looking over it quickly, it just said he surprises um, interlocutor. I don't know what that word is. I've never heard of it. By saying he was seriously considering running for president in 2020, when asked about his advanced age, he said he was not much older than Trump and would not have an age problem. And with no actual quotes about what he said. Well, anyway, why I wanted to look that up. You know, I think Kucinich could have a similar following like Bernie Sanders did. Although he's run as president twice before and didn't have the following that Bernie had. But I think if the Democrat establishment got behind Kucinich, there'd be a serious chance of him beating Trump. But that's not really in the Democrat Party's interests. They want somebody who's more going to toe the party line, the Democrat Party line. And I don't, I don't know about the chance of Kucinich winning Ohio. Really, I'm not a good predictor of elections. But if the media gives them fair coverage, which they won't, uh, I think you could probably do pretty well. Because I think... Yeah, I think Ohio was one of those states where there was crossover in counties of people who voted for Obama and people who voted for Trump. Seen as the, you know, Rust Belt working class. More anti-establishment because Obama was seen as anti-establishment at the time. Moving on. Suppose I'll touch on the Women's March quickly. Last year was kind of funny because of the uh, celebrities that showed up. See, going off of memory here, but Madonna said she wanted to blow up the White House. There was some other big name celebrity that I, I don't know that made some just really awkward speech about her vagina bleeding or, or something like that. And. Now, who knows? Let's see. Well, this year, we got Jane Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, Scarlett Johansson, and Natalie Portman showing up. The biggest news was Trump tweeting that same day, Beautiful weather all over our great country. Perfect day for all women to march. Get out there now to celebrate the historic milestones and unprecedented economic economic success and wealth creation that has taken place over the last 12 months. Lowest female unemployment in 18 years. Donald Trump tweeting and triggering the left. But the thing about this protest here is, or March, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's a protest because if you ask all these people while, or why they're there, you're not going to get the same answer. So I don't know what these people are protesting, really. Exactly. You know, you look at the signs. Some of it's anti-Trump. Some of it's pro-women. Some of it's anti-whatever. 
You see in a, in a peach sign, a sign that says goodness trumped all. So some, yeah, a lot of anti-Trump stuff. One calling Trump a racist. Another dump Trump. Here's a, a woman holding a sign with uh, Putin holding a baby Trump. Apparently they still think that Russia colludes with the media. <laughs> the media. I really doubt Trump is colluding with the media. The, well, the whole media thing with Trump colluding with the Russians. I think it must be really hard to believe unless all you read is CNN or your Facebook feed is presenting you only with that information. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's just the women's march. From the signs I've seen on the Daily Mail, it looks like it's mostly anti-Trump stuff. Anti-abortion protesters showed up as well as a counter-narrative. Pussy hats are back. Looking at the signs still. Mostly impeachment stuff. Another Russia kind of sign. One, one that says, men of quality do not fear equality. Another saying, the rise of women does not mean the fall of man. So there's your standard um, anti-woman oppression signs. See, so here's gays against guns. As you can see, there's a mixed bag. It's not all just anti-Trump. I'd like to see what they're showing. They have some pictures of people. Perhaps victims of guns, but I can't read their signs. The text is very small, and the picture is not big enough to read it. Some pro-abortion stuff. Some peace stuff. Let's see a picture of Eva Longoria. Natalie Portman. So, Gloria Allred. Made an appearance. Now here's a sign that says, Angry women will change the world. And these are protests all over Austin, Texas, Cincinnati, Ohio, New Jersey, New York. A YouTuber I'll recommend is a, a guy called Nuance Bro. And he goes to a lot of these marches and he went to one of the women's marches and he, he interviews people. He asks them some tw tough questions about why they're protesting and I think it's a good watch. I don't think it's overly harsh. I think you can kind of guess that he is perhaps not far, maybe, maybe like a center-ish kind of guy, but kind of enjoys calling the people to task for their their beliefs, their protests. He'll throw out counter narrative and things of that sort, but doesn't over doesn't really state his own opinions that I've seen. So check that out if you have time. And he also did a one recently for it. It was an MLK march. So I do want to touch on this secret memo, these deleted texts for a, a minute. So I think this is probably the most important story going around in U.S. news right now. 
And it gives you an idea why powerful bureaucracies can be a problem, how they can cause a lot of problems for people that they don't like. With great power comes great responsibility. And uh, a lot of times uh, you don't get responsibility. And the uh, saying that holds more true is absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I'm going to pull up two articles here. Unfortunately, one of them is from Huffington Post, but we'll try to get through it. House GOPers say a secret memo could end the Trump-Russia probe. Their staff wrote it. By Ryan J. Riley of HuffPost. House Republicans spent the end of the work week. And this is, uh, this is last week. This is an article from the 19th, so last Friday. American people must be allowed to see the top secret four-page document that could bring an end to special counsel Robert Mueller. Mueller. Mueller's investigation into Russian interference with the 2016 elections. This is one thing about the document. Republican staffers wrote it. The uh, memo Republican staffers compiled reveals information is absolutely shocking. This is in quotes. More quotes, a sickening, jaw-dropping, worse than Watergate. Another is saying, uh, is this happening in America or is this the KGB? You can tell an article written by the Huffington Post, or maybe not just the Huffington Post, there's a lot of news articles, outlets rather, that kind of write like this, and they're typically left-leaning, where they they write their... Article is kind of snarky. Yes, for example, what I'm looking at is uh, part of this article says even the most plugged in news consumer could be forgiven for thinking that classified memo is an executive branch document that exposes wrongdoing within the Justice Department and the FBI. And they just have a two word sentence after it isn't. But I've seen articles on the Huffington Post where they would write things like, yeah, that just happened. Or something like that. It's like it's just uh, it's pretty. I don't know what you would call it. Adam Schiff, a representative, Democrat representative, a ranking member of House Intelligence Committee, uh, accuses the Republican staff of attacking the FBI. In this whole matter, that's pretty interesting. I think they're really the only Republican that. Has to worry about the FBI right now would be Trump. I think uh, a lot of the other Republicans are probably well cozied up with the FBI. But the memo hasn't been released. But it seems to be a consensus that it's pretty bad about what was going on. Let's go right to Gateway Pundit. That's like the polar opposite here. Trey Gowdy and Stroke. Strzok, Page, FBI text. Today we saw a text about not keeping texts. This is to do with the text. This is a more recent article. By Jim Hoft. According to Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, 50,000 text messages were exchanged between Peter, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, Strzok, it's probably something very simple, and his mistress, Lisa Page, 
These five or fifty thousand text messages did not include the missing texts. Representative John Radcliffe, representative from Texas, said after reviewing the text messages, he believes there may have been a quote secret society of folks within the DOJ and FBI working against Trump. A quote from Gaudi, according to the Federalist, reported by the Federalist. What Johnny and I saw today was a text about not keeping texts. We saw more manifest bias against Donald Trump all the way through the election into transition. So the secret society, I'm looking more into this, the secret society term appears to have been, uh, been originated from Gaudi. And that was his take on the text messages. Let's see if I can get his quote here. Let's go straight now to the Republican Congressman Trey Gowdy. He's a chairman of the House Oversight Committee, and he also sits on the crucial intelligence committee we're talking about right now, as well as the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Congressman Gowdy, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I, I want to give you a chance right away to respond to uh, this memo uh, sent by the Assistant uh, Attorney General here to uh, Devin Nunes, uh, the chairman of your House Intelligence Committee. He says it would be reckless to release that memo uh, w without showing it to the Department of Justice for them to review it. What do you say? Well, Aaron, thank you for having me on. And let me say this at the outset. I have tremendous respect for the Department of Justice uh, and the FBI. I worked uh, in and with them for 18 of my uh, professional years. So there's no member of Congress that holds that department in higher esteem than I do. I, I have concerns about what was done in the spring and the fall of 2016. Um, and, and I'm not uh, a critic of the department. I'm not someone who alleges the department is corrupt. Uh, I'm a fan of the department, and I have concerns about what they did in 2016. So I would say this to my friend Stephen Boyd, um, let, let's lower the rhetoric. Uh, I don't care if you see the memo, but, but let's be clear about this, Aaron. The memo was derived, distilled from information that the department gave us. So it's not like there's new information. Everything in the memo they already have. What they don't okay. know specifically is what are their complaints, and I'm fine to share them with them, but you can't possibly say a memo is reckless if you haven't read it. So, so, so let me ask you a crucial question here. Have you seen the underlying intelligence, classified intelligence, that this memo, right, because this is a summary written by the Republican chairman, have you seen the actual intelligence that it is based on? And is it 100% yes. consistent with the memo as you have seen it? Um, the, the answer to your first question, Aaron, is yes. I may be the only member who's read it all. Um, I went to the Department of Justice on Jerry a couple Nadler, of different Democrat, occasions. Jerry Nadler, Democrat, told me yesterday that he had as well. All right, that'd be two. Well, Jerry's not on Intel. Jerry's on Judiciary. More power to him. I, I think everybody ought to go down there and read it. It's really hard to have a conversation about what's in documents when you hadn't read those documents. Yeah. Glad Jerry did it. I, I've read it all. Um, I have concerns um, about uh, the process, about representations that may be made in court pleadings. I have concerns about the duty of government. Uh, to provide complete, full, accurate information. You know, FBI agents and prosecutors are not advocates at this stage. We are, we, we are representatives to the court. So there is an obligation to present accurate, full, complete information. 
Um, okay. and, and that's true in every criminal case or every counterintelligence case. They just don't get the scrutiny that this one does. Okay, they're saying, though, and then, again, I just want to make the point. Stephen Boyd, the assistant attorney general who signed uh, th this letter that, that I'm looking at right now, it says in it, among other things, not only do they think it would be reckless to release uh, Chairman Nunes' memo, but they have seen no evidence of any wrongdoing to the FISA process. And, and the reason that this is so crucial, again, let's make the point, Stephen Boyd is Donald Trump's nominee. He is saying to you all that he does not see any evidence of what is being alleged. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would say this again. I, I, I like Stephen. I, I work well with him. Um, it, it's really difficult to say a memo is reckless when you haven't read it. Um, to the extent he says that they've seen no evidence of any impropriety or untowardness or inappropriate conduct during the process, we just respectfully disagree. Um, and, and, and that happens from time to time. Lawyers can look at the same fact pattern and draw two different conclusions. I'm sure Adam Schiff is going gonna, is gonna to do a minority memo where, where he doesn't see any problems. So, but the, what that advocates for, though, Aaron, is the release of non-classified material, re release it in, in, in an appropriate form, and let the public decide. That's what that, that's okay, what but, that but, advocates but, but, but how for. is that consistent with your saying, how can anyone truly talk about this and the implications of it if they haven't seen the underlying information? From what I understand, nobody's advocating to release the underlying information for what is a partisan memo that's coming out of it because it's so classified. Are yeah, you saying the underlying information I, that you read, the top secret information, should also be released so everyone can read the source data no. and then decide if they think the summary is fair or not? No, no, I, 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 I don't. Uh, the president can declassify it. I, I, my counsel to him is don't do it. Do yeah. nothing to jeopardize sources and methods. Do nothing to jeopardize the women right. and men in the intelligence. <laughs> I'm not going to keep that going. It's, uh, it's about 10 minutes. Um, I'm kind of surprised how worried CNN is about having a memo released. They must really care about our national security. All right, I'm going to keep this show pretty short. A lot of interesting topics I won't go over, but there will be plenty of good news in days to come, I'm sure. Uh, Tesla on autopilot slams into parked fire truck on California freeway. This is an article on mercurynews.com. Tesla Model S reportedly on autopilot. Says reportedly an autopilot. Smashing through the back of a fire truck parked at a freeway accident scene Monday morning, authorities said. Two investigators from the National Transportation Safety Board are expected to arrive in Los Angeles on Wednesday to probe the crash and will focus on the driver's actions and how the vehicle performed. So they'll know for sure whether the car was actually an autopilot or not. You can always imagine a driver of a, a Tesla crashing and saying, Blaming it on the car, but, you know, you can find that stuff out. The car is going to have records of what it was doing before it crashed. Because the whole thing is a computer. See, the union representing uh, Culver City firefighters whose truck was hit around 8.30 a.m. on Interstate 405 in Culver City tweeted that the Tesla driver said he had been using Tesla's autopilot system, which performs... Automated driving tasks. The California Highway Patrol and Culver City Fire Department confirmed the sound or southbound Tesla had struck the fire truck. We could not immediately confirm whether the vehicle had been on an autopilot. I wouldn't expect the fire department to know that. 
or the highway patrol. I don't know they. I wouldn't expect them to know how to probe a Tesla, especially the fire department. That nobody appears to be hurt. Article says the firefighters union tweet indicated that the Tesla had been traveling at 65 miles per hour before the crash, but it was unclear to what extent the car may have slowed down before striking the fire truck. So the cars do have sensors, and when it knows when it's about to crash, it, it will apply the brakes. And the person in the Tesla refused any treatment and showed no significant injuries. None of the firefighters were, were injured. Uh, Tesla, after the incident, said autopilot is intended for use only with a fully attentive driver. Uh, Model S owner's manual has numerous warnings that attention to the road is vital while using autopilot and other Tesla semi-autonomous driving functions. So, in case you thought you could buy a Tesla and just point it to a map and expect you to take it there, it's not the case. I've actually been in a Tesla Model S, the same model before, and I've ridden in it on autopilot, and yes you do. You need to correct it. They, they take statistics as well, like the other Teslas going down the road, or they'll map a GPS path. And one of the interesting things about GPS is that the satellites, uh, and in relation to the Earth, it does change over time, so GPS maps need to be updated. What was that? I think I was reading something about Australia. Australia is kind of like a fast-moving continent, I guess. I don't know how many inches per year, but every time the uh, continent moves, the roads move, and uh, and then the, your GPS points and the maps on your GPS remain the same. On that note, I'm going to end the show, and I'm going to wish everybody a wonderful weekend. Thanks for tuning in. The show, wherever you found the show, it's also available. Uh, it's well, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, any pretty much any Android app podcast app you can get I think this show is on I think the only thing this show might not be on is Stitcher but I could be wrong I think I would have to actually uh, apply this sh apply this apply for the show to be put on Stitcher like I did with iTunes uh, however other podcast services like FM Radio I believe and Blueberry, they'll take the stream from either Blog Talk Radio or iTunes or or, or wherever. They'll just they'll find it, and just about any app you get, radio app or podcast app, you can listen to this show on the go if you so choose. You can email me at adam at caldwellmadison.com and find me on social media. Minds.com forward slash Caldwell Madison and Gab.com forward slash or Gab.ai forward slash Caldwell Madison. See some of the stupid things I post. I think I usually post on Gab. I don't really post much on Minds. Seems to be more going on on, on Gab from what I can see. On well, any account, have a great weekend and I'll hope to catch you next time.